When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... Like beer? I don't know if you do okay. you like beer, Senator, or not. Um, Mom, I want a vape. Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Hello, and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast, Quarantine History. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I am Chris Burns, a.k.a. Fat Carrie Bradshaw. Chris, did you forget who you were for a second? Well, sometimes I do. It's always a decision of whether <laughs> I'm Chris Burns or I'm Fat Carrie Bradshaw. I was talking about this on The Bachelor Podcast the other day, how if I feel I need to be like energized more, then I'll introduce myself as Fat Carrie but if I'm feeling confident in myself, I'm Chris Burns. Yeah, so just like Lady Gaga is also Stephanie. She is the same person. Exactly. Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. That carries exactly what Sasha Fierce means to Beyonce. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have a very exciting episode today. Uh, we interviewed Elle Hearns. She is the founder and executive director of the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Uh and it's the Marsh B. Johnson Institute is a really great uh, institute, I guess, where, you know, they work to le- elevate the voices of Black trans people. Um, speaking of which, we have a live show on Monday where 100% of the proceeds go to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Um, you can just go to betches.co slash pride and the tickets are only $10 and as I said, 100% of proceeds go to this institute and you'll hear all about all the great work that Elle and them are doing over there in a few minutes. But we just wanted to give you a quick update about the show. And Elle is going to stop by for the show as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are going to talk to, we're going to have performances, okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to have vocal Mm -hmm. performances. We're going to have lip sync performances. We're going to play a game with Bobby Burke of Queer Eye. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I'm sure you all have heard of it. Um, What else? Oh, we're going to play games. We're going to do some trivia. We're going to Mm. play another game with Joey Camasta of Jersey Shore fame. It'll be Mm -hmm. a real blip. It's going to be... I mean, what else are you going to do on a Monday night at 8 p.m.? Like, what you could do is... You can have a good time. You can drink with us because we're going to be drinking the whole time. Yes. While also donating to a good cause. It was going to be an open bar, if you can believe it. Brian and I were going to reach into our own pockets and do open bar for everyone. Mm-hmm. But because of the, the quarantine, it's virtual. So unfortunately, it is BYOB. Mm-hmm. But it's open bar at home. 
Exactly. That's what we are saying. It's um, and that applies to us as well. And what's fun about this live show is like it's not just us like talking to you know the internet, the world. It's like y'all are commenting and interacting back with us as we are you know playing games, and you can also play along with us. So when we're playing, we're playing trivia. You also should play with your friends while you're watching. And then, like, I don't know, maybe whoever wins gets a... I don't know, what what, what should they get? We can figure it out later. What, but you if guys you can... win, if you get all the questions right, DM us on Everyone's Gay, okay? And we will feature you in the story, okay? There you get go. Get some followers. There you go, exactly. So it'll be so much fun. Get tickets, get your friends to get tickets. You know, it's going to be a blast. And I think our amazing podcast producer, Mike, will be putting the link for the show in this description that you are currently listening to. So yeah, so should we get to our interview? I say we get to the interview. It is a very good interview. A very good interview. So prepare for yourself for some knowledge. Uh, So here is uh, Elle Hearns. Today we are joined by activist, founder, and executive director of the Marsh B. Johnson Institute, Elle Hearns. Elle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. And Elle, for those that do not know, what is the Marsha P. Johnson Institute and why did you start it? Absolutely. The Marsha P. Johnson Institute is an organization that works to protect and defend the human rights of Black transgender people in the United States. I founded the organization at a time where the senseless murders of Black trans women were taking place across the country, uh, but also were um, shaping a resistance movement from Black trans people who were tired of learning about our experiences and our existence through the murders uh, as we, uh, you know, were finding out about them. And so for me, it felt really important as an organizer to figure out the ways that I could create interventions in the many murders that were taking place. And so the organization has really turned into uh, a national membership organization where we support uh, providing direct resources, leadership development, training, organizing, um, and political advocacy to ensure that uh, the experiences and the hardships of Black trans women are not the only understanding that Black trans people have about ourselves. And so, you know, part of the great joy is that we're named in honor of Marsha P. Johnson and partly because we wanted to make sure that her legacy was available to many more people outside of maybe New York City, Uh, you know. And so, uh, you know, there's great uh, pain in which our organization was founded, but there's also great joy. And, you know, as Black trans people, we know the duality of of having to carry both joy and pain at the same time. And so MPJI is truly a testament to, uh, I think, the resilience and the brilliance of Black trans people of today and of yesteryear. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing, we're calling this series Queer and Teen History um, for Pride Month. And so this is our special series that we're doing uh, once a week. And so I wanted to ask you about this because there's clearly... uh, historical erasure of Black LGBTQ people from queer history. Um, Why do you think that is? Do you think it's getting better? Um, And if so, why do you think that has been? Um, Yeah, I think that there's lots of reasons why that has been. I think that one, partly because a lot of the Black people who were doing work during a particular uh, time where pride was taking shape and form, those people are no longer living. And so other people were really challenged and and, and forced 
and um, protected by the world to essentially carry those stories with them. And those often were white gay men. It wasn't necessarily black trans women or black gay men. You know, I've been talking so much about how black trans and queer people have faced so many pandemics, whether it was HIV and AIDS or the drug pandemic with crack and cocaine in the late 80s and the early 90s. We've seen the impact of so many different pandemics that we've had to fight alone, essentially, because the government and communities blamed us for our own demise. Um, and so I think that there's so many reasons why there's been great erasure of those contributions. I think one of the beautiful things that's happening now is that we do have a renaissance. We have a return uh, to our legacy and to our lineage. And there's so many Black trans people contributing to making sure that uh, the erasure that we've seen, that that's not happening today. And I'm honored to be a part of the, the, the legacy and the history of Black trans organizing that's sustaining a pride movement that um, is reinvigorating what it means for pride to be uh, a resistance and a riot. You know, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera and so many others during that time really were staunch advocates against police brutality. And so, you know, there's no way that you have pride without the civil rights movement. You know, those tactics, those organizing uh, strategies were certainly influential to how Black people were contributing to many movements. So um, while there's been great erasure, I think that, you know, there's definitely, uh, there's a new way happening now that will certainly, I think, circumvent that from happening again. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. 
Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Why do you think it's important to customize solutions and advocacy to the specific experiences of Black trans people? And is there examples of changes that could happen right now that could protect Black trans lives? Absolutely. I think we're seeing uh, opportunities really sprout out, sprout up um, in many different places, whether it's in Los Angeles with, you know, the, um, the mayor calling for um, you know, a redistribution of resources to support community efforts, uh, or, or whether it's in Minneapolis with uh, the call from city council to defund the police. There's, there's many opportunities that I think are showing themselves, even in uh, Washington, D.C., with the uh, decriminalized sex work bill that was introduced to city council. So we're seeing some really great um, policy opportunities that really, I think, influence the culture um, and I think that we're seeing a lot of great cultural moments just from the great visibility of Black trans people in advocacy, but also on our TVs. So I think there's a lot of great opportunities. I think that um, to your your first question, which was... Uh, why <laughs> is it so important to customize solutions and advocacy to the specific experience of Black trans people? Yeah, it's so necessary to customize those experiences to Black trans people and to prioritize them because there are so many different intersecting factors that uh, make the possibility of winning more likely. Uh, you know, as opposed to really addressing one issue, you have an opportunity to address many, whether it's healthcare, whether it's housing, whether it's you know, the right to vote, you know, whether it's policing, whatever the case may be, uh, there's no other community that intersects with every single issue and every single, I think, identity. And so for Black trans people, I think there is a great benefit and a great power that other communities and identities just don't know. Uh, and I think we're still figuring out just how powerful we are, uh, but we recognize that our ability to speak to many different um, lived experiences is what gives us such great value to be able to contribute to a winning movement, to a winning strategy, and essentially to the humanity of all people, but most importantly, to our own humanity. I think oftentimes Black trans people are forced to think about everybody else except ourselves, mm. because we have to think about what people's responses to us are going to be. And I think for the first time, we are finding the space to really prioritize what our own responses to our own self are and what they should be. So um, I'm excited about what's happening right now. I think there is a shift, despite it coming at a time where we are seeing so many lives impacted by so many different pandemics. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people are you know, well-meaning. And I think a lot of people think that white supremacy is this, you know, alt-right, movements or like the proud boys etc um <laughs> but it's you know it's everywhere um yeah. and 
And uh, I think a lot of people don't even, who are well-meaning, and I'm not excluding myself, don't necessarily see it. Um, and so do you, can you give me some, like, what are some of these examples of, you know, that a lot of people don't even realize is that? Yeah, I mean, I think anti-Blackness more specifically takes shape and takes form um, in a really intense way that sometimes white supremacy becomes like a covert for the system of anti-Blackness. And so we really try to encourage uh, people to look at anti-Blackness first mm -hmm. uh, because white supremacy gives anti-Blackness a space to hide. So if we address white supremacy, we don't ever have to talk about how I internalize or externalize anti-Blackness against people. And so, um, I mean, I think there's many examples around, um, you know, things that are anti-Black. And I've been using this example recently around how right now in 2020, we're having a conversation around defunding the police. Uh, six years ago in Ferguson, Missouri, the conversation was around, you know, um, you know, resistance to the police. And so what came out of that resistance was this idea that body cameras was going to circumvent the murders of Black people by the police. And here we are six years later still seeing Black people murdered now on cameras. And so I think that's a great example of anti-Black legislation that was created. Mm. Black people were saying, we actually want to abolish the police. We're sick of the police killing us. We don't understand why we're being targeted for traffic tickets, which creates obviously more hostile situations for the police to target us and you know name us as suspects in crimes that we haven't committed. Uh, and, and what came from that was legislative measures, really influenced by white constituents and white voters that said body cameras are the solutions to those Black people problems. And if we have body cameras, we'll be able to justify why these Black people are being murdered on camera. And so, you know, six years later, after we've seen Eric Garner murdered on video, we've seen Tamir Rice murdered on, on video, we've seen um, just so many different atrocities happen on video, we don't have anything, you know? And so now we have a new demand. And I think, you know, I worry about whether or not that demand will be met based on what do-gooders and people with good intentions uh, desires are politically. You know, I think it's so important to continue to follow the demands that Black people are naming as opposed to trying to create our own demands around what we think Black people need. We've already told you. And so, you know, that's what we all have to really um, is to grapple with is, is our own uh, perception of what's right and what's wrong and who's right and who's wrong and who has the power to decide who's right and who's wrong. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on around, you know, so many, so many different examples of um, how anti-Blackness takes shape in policy, but also in culture. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I think that there's a lot of anti-black culture, just even, oh, I won't, I won't say names, I won't do it. Uh, but just, you know, there are white influencers who are able to build billion dollar, you know, companies really off of their commodification of black culture. And black people who've been leading culture in the beauty industry and so many industries are not able to necessarily you know, create the cash cow economically for themselves, which is why, you know, the, having a politic around capitalism is so important because it doesn't really serve anybody. 
Um, but we have seen it consistently serve white people. And I think that's a, a great tension in, in, in society that we have to also interrupt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who could you possibly be talking about? With the <laughs> um, uh, so many. I mean, who yeah. could I? No, who, I know. Who could I possibly not be talking about? That's mm-hmm. the gag because mm-hmm. there's so many, so many who've been able to really ascend. Um, you know, even just like Jeffrey Star, mm-hmm. like just the commodification of trans culture. You know, I think there's just a lot to be said around who's able to capitalize off of Blackness. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. How do you how do you view allyship? Um, you know, <laughs> and uh, what message would you have for someone who just who wants to be a supporter for you know the black community, but just trying to figure it out how? Yeah, I don't like the word allyship. I think it's very tired and it's very performative. Mm-hmm. What I do support is collaborative solidarity. You know, I think that is really what the call is for all of us during this time is to really make sure that um, there's education happening happening about the communities you're lifting up and supporting. And so if you want to be in collaborative solidarity, but you have no understanding of the community, it's going to make your, your, your efforts really, you know, impossible if you don't even know what the community says about itself you know, if it's based on what your opinion is. A lot of what we see is we have a lot of white people who select their favorite black, and then there's a lot of black people who feel validated by that. And so I think that's a dynamic that also has to shift. You know, if you have not formed many relationships with black people, it's going to make your, you know, your, your allyship, again, like really impossible. So something that we introduced at the Marsha P. Johnson Institute that I helped, you know, obviously shape and form is collaborative solidarity, which um, really just means that you are committed to a lifelong relationship 
with Black people. You are committed to a lifelong relationship in which you are undoing your harm and also accepting responsibility for it. And so I think as we're transforming the world, we have, we have to also transform the ways that we think about being in relationship with other people and also with ourselves. So, you know, collaborative solidarity is the new train, it's the new wave, and that's what we're certainly encouraging at the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Collaborative solidarity. I like that. Yeah. That's good. And how have you viewed this Pride Month so far? We're almost through it already. <laughs> I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been an exhausting month. I, I must be honest. It's been an exhausting month just with uh, the many atrocities that we've seen. Um, and, and what that forces the community to then have to do. You know, and so our community is on full display to talk about the unfortunate realities of so many Black trans women being murdered and Tony McDade also being murdered by the police and also seeing Ayanna Dior brutalized, brutally beaten on video. And so this has been an exhausting month, you know, but every month for Black people is often exhausting because if it's not COVID-19 taking our family, we're learning about, you know, members of our community also being taken from their families. And so uh, we have never really gotten a moment to just breathe freely, mm -hmm. uh, which is why our freedom is so necessary and we're willing to do whatever we have to do. If that means burning down a building or fighting back against the police, we're willing to do it because we've never known it without having to lose so many of our people in, in ways that no one should ever have to lose their lives. And so, uh, this month is exhausting. Um, I think there's a lot of performance that's happening also during this month that you don't see happening in November or October. And so that's exhausting to know that there's such great energy today and tomorrow, but in six months, that energy will certainly have shifted as we move our efforts towards focusing on a presidential election. And, you know, the reality is where, who gets elected president is not going to actually change the fact that black trans women are still going to be murdered and the police are still going to be murdering people. And so even that is something that I think we have to really work to shift where we're putting our focus because, you know, even with a black president, we saw that these murders actually increased and they have not stopped. Uh, and so I think that putting our hope in the American electoral system really also leaves us very vulnerable for these things continuing to happen because the, the people who this is happening to don't have the same investment or the same interests from uh, the people who have all the power. Hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Final question and then we'll let you go. <laughs> Uh, I know it's heavy, right? It's heavy. <laughs> no, it's so important. It's so uh, I'm, I'm just like, is, yeah, I, it's I, yeah, it's. I could also just, you know, you're you speak. You, I could listen to you speak so well. So like, it's not like I want to say like it's soothing because it's the information is you know like you said heavy, but it's just it's so digestible, and I'm like just really consumed by everything you're saying. Um, yeah, it's yeah. been a long month is basically what the hell I was saying. It's been a long <laughs> yeah. past month. Yeah, bet, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so how can people find information on MPJI and how can they support? Absolutely. So you can visit us online. Our website is marshap.org. 
and that's just Marsha P, pay it no mind, uh, but Marsha <laughs> P.org. Uh, you can also follow us on all social at MPJ Institute. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MPJ Institute. Thank you so much, Elle. And we'll see you again, I believe, for our live show on Monday. Yes, which I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to. So I'm excited. Yes, we're so yeah. looking forward to it. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, yeah. no. And thank you so much to the community. We really appreciate all of the support that you all have been offering us. So thank you. And I'm excited to continue to be in collaboration. All right. Uh, well, until the return of democracy, I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I am Chris Burns. This has been the Betcha Sup Podcast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.